The content provided in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. We are not making recommendations, nor are we providing financial analysis of any kind. We are self-proclaimed morons and should not be trusted with your investments. Always conduct your own research and consult with a qualified financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Welcome to the show where the game is on. Chris Cavanaugh and George Hallel are going strong. Zach Ellis, we're in it, so winning every day. We're gonna keep you informed so you don't miss a play. We're rolling the dice, taking risks, don't you know? We're betting on the market, watch it rise and it'll fall, yeah. Stop gamblers, we're here to make it big. Come join us on this journey, let's start this game. Still can't get over having our names done in a theme song. Oh my gosh, somebody was just asking me about that. How did you get oh, really? names in there? <laughs> that That's funny. Oh, that's amazing. By the way, I want to take this opportunity to uh, shout out to uh, to Tony Lizzie, who's a, uh, a follower of our show. Haven't Tony talked to that Lizzie. guy in a while. Hope he's well. Uh, I reached out to him. I said, I let him know. Stock Gamblers is live. And yeah, he used to uh, he used to see all our mistakes in uh, in person on uh, video production wise. <laughs> He's Back the one that day. ragged on me with the Andy Miller comment, I believe. <laughs> Andy Miller, <laughs> Andy Miller will do. <laughs> so what's going on with you? Hey, everybody. Oh, man. Hey, you know, typical stuff. Had a birthday weekend. Uh, turned the big 5-7 on Saturday. Um, idiot me is like, ooh, I picked out a place online that I wanted to go to. Really cool Middle Eastern restaurant. We get there, and it's takeout only. <laughs> so we ordered. Went across the street to the bar, had a couple of drinks, and then picked up our food and went home. So it was all right. Nice. But, That's um, a good play. Yeah, it was also um, my dog Penny's birthday. She's born on the same day as me. <laughs> so, so I'm 57. She turns seven. So she's a lot younger than me. And she's in some That's kind of contest. about the same. Yeah, yeah, probably. But uh, other than that, we got the whole Super Bowls coming up again every year. But the uh, matchups are ready. I'm going with San Francisco. For no reason other than I really don't like Kansas City. Oh, okay. Uh, San Francisco and Kansas City both in it. I did not uh -huh. know that. I stopped yeah. watching when the Steelers got kicked out. So uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm I'm selfish. Unless it's about me and my team, I'm not interested in any way at all. Um, GA people are. I would probably prefer for san francisco but i think that uh kansas city will probably win okay that's your prediction i'm going san fran you're good though do we get any points on that for uh is, is there a spread i, well, I mean our really picks. does this count as our picks so. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the winner the winner will get a bonus dollar added to their yeah. <laughs> their yes. score that works out for me i can use it really the way i'm crashing it <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. Into stop. In stock news, Boeing stock has declined 20% this year, further impacted by a recent incident where a wheel detached from a Delta Airlines Boeing 757 at Atlanta's airport. This event adds to investor scrutiny heightened since the 737 MAX issues, as every minor incident is now closely watched for potential implications on Boeing's stock and corporate reputation. 
Moreover, concerns from airline customers like United Airlines and Alaska Air expressing frustration and concern and considering alternatives are contributing to the company's market challenges. I thought there would have been more scrutiny when a door flew off or <laughs> planes crashed or any number of issues before wheel fall off. Right. Yeah. Wheels. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I would think a door would be a little more uh, severe than a wheel. But hey, <laughs> what do I know? So what are the other options? McDonnell Douglas? I mean, no, McDonald McDonnell Douglas bought Boeing in a, in a re- reverse merger. <laughs> yeah, forever ago. My dad, my dad, when uh, when he um, first got hired into aviation from from Raytheon, Mm-hmm. Uh, he got hired by McDonnell Douglas and became a Boeing employee uh, through the merger. So okay. um, the alternative for commercial airline would probably be like Airbus. Oof. Uh, so not even American. Um, right. Yeah. Which, I mean, at this point, I get excited when I see an Airbus plane <laughs> on my trip, trip itinerary because uh, I don't want to fucking 737 max well but here's the thing though with the 20 percent decline right is it time to buy boeing <laughs> or are they gonna just totally you know plummet uh i um i haven't considered it from that perspective i uh i used to have boeing stock and and unfortunately yeah. when uh when the two planes went down i let it go right away which was a pretty mm-hmm, smart decision, mm-hmm. unfortunately, being pretty macabre about that uh, situation. Um, I was talking to my mom, pardon me, who owns the shares that my dad acquired while working for them. And mm-hmm. I was saying, yeah, you know, those aren't really worth anything. And she was doing the whole, no, no, those are going to be good again. The American government wants Boeing to profit and all this, mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> business speak that she's overheard from not us on financial advice so not that we do financial advice but financial talk she's probably doing well she wasn't listening to us but so (laughs) yeah um you know boeing's dropped like 60 bucks a share in price in months so Mm -hmm. uh i i don't think it's the time to buy i i think they have um a hard road ahead so Mm -hmm. i consider maybe I think I think if it continues to go down, there will probably be a point where you can pick it up before it starts to go back up. If it starts to go back up, something to think about. Yeah, Berkshire Hathaway stock has reached a record high, driven by gains in Apple shares and strengths in the insurance sector. The company's Class A and Class B stocks have shown notable growth, outpacing the S and P 500's performance in 2024. With expectations of robust fourth quarter results and the upcoming release of CEO Warren Buffett's shareholder letter, Berkshire Hathaway's market value has risen, reflecting positive market sentiment and strategic business decisions. That's a good stock. Tesla is reportedly planning to start production of a new mass market electric vehicle codenamed Redwood in mid-2025. This model, described as a compact crossover, is part of Tesla's strategy to offer more affordable electric vehicles and self-driving robo-taxis. The company aims to produce 10,000 vehicles per week of this new model, with production expected to begin in June of 2025. 
This development aligns with CEO Elon Musk's long-term vision for Tesla to compete in the broader, low-priced automobile market. What would the price point be that, I wonder? I'm I'm thinking he's got to get in there for like 25 to 30. Yeah, yeah, which... And I, I don't know if that's doable, really, but... Eh, it's doable if you don't want to turn with profit, maybe, at first, and then start trying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Netflix has struck a 10-year agreement reportedly worth over $5 billion with TKO Group Holding to bring WWE's flagship program, Raw, to its streaming service starting in January of 2025. This marks Netflix's first significant venture into live sports entertainment, and the deal, well, sports being the operative word, and the deal has led to a surge in TKO's shares. WWE's Raw, currently airing on NBC Universal USA Network, will move from linear television for the first time in its history, potentially boosting Netflix growth and diversifying its content offerings. So TKO is actually sports because they own um, MMA also. Okay. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, WWE, I mean, that, that's a that's a male soap opera, not, not too not to make light of the physical abuse that the goes that those guys take. Oh God, no, they're definitely, I mean, they're definitely athletes. It's just absolutely. Yeah. Performance. It, it's just scripted. Yeah. Right. Right. I was always, I was a huge wrestling fan when I was a kid and you know, I think oh, we were all that stage. I, uh, I've I was met quite a few wrestlers working at Hershey park and really? all of them are the nicest people on the planet. Like, I Mick used to work Foley, at the Wildwood uh, Convention Hall. Oh, really? I used to do wrestling there, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mick Foley would come to the ride that I would operate. It just happened that like I'd be at the same ride every year that the wrestlers would right. come in. And uh, Mick Foley would come in wearing a Winnie the Pooh shirt, Winnie <laughs> the Pooh sweatpants, and he'd be there with his kids. And every year he'd recognize me, say hi, we'd shake hands and talk and everything. Nice. Nicest nice. fucking guy on the planet. You know, missing the half of an I, ear and <laughs> really, I mean, the yeah. ones I met, like I met uh, like Blackjack Mulligan, Gorilla Monsoon. We're talking like old, old, <laughs> right. old wrestlers. Because when I was working at the convention hall, I wasn't working for money. I was just working to kind of do it, you know, taking tickets. And all right. the old wrestlers that weren't that had been retired were there just because they were like part of the family. And it was a really interesting right. event. I mean, back then, I even knew back then it wasn't real, but man, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was. <laughs> The ongoing crisis in Red Sea is an increasingly affecting global supply chains and company earnings, particularly in sectors like electric vehicles, retail, shipping, and energy. Companies such as Tesla and Volvo Car have already announced production halts due to shipping delays, while retailers like Next, Primark, and H&M are facing potential impacts from increased sea freight costs. The situation is also influencing the energy sector with reduced tanker traffic in key areas, potentially affecting oil supplies and prices. Huh. Just not going away. No, no. And now I think, uh, I believe they're thinking of cutting production in, in uh, some of the Saudi Arabian countries or whatever you would call it. Uh, I've read something about they were cutting production again, you know. Yay. Yeah, I thought we talked about that last week, but um, I, I mean... Something even more recent, though, be... just, just this morning. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
AMD stock, which has surged 140% over the past year, still holds potential for investment, according to New Street Research analyst Pierre Ferragou. Ferragou upgraded AMD stock to a buy status and set a target price of $215 by late 2024, indicating over 25% potential upside. He believes AMD can secure a strong position in the GPU market due to ongoing structural scarcity and the company's potential to grow revenues by more than 20% annually over the next four years, even with minimal share gains and slow adoption in certain sectors. His buy status issue comes after our loss from adding it to our portfolio last week. That must be why he wants it. We bought high and now it dropped. We're making it better for United other- Airlines. Go ahead. No, we're making it better for him. That's all. Oh, yeah. United Airlines is reconsidering its plans for Boeing's largest 737 MAX jet, the MAX 10, due to concerns about Boeing's ability to deliver planes on time. The decision follows the recent grounding of the 737 MAX 9 jets, which has impacted United's operation and scheduling. While United has not canceled its MAX 10 orders, the airline is developing alternative plans and no longer counts in the MAX 10 for its future operations. This shift reflects growing safety concerns and challenges Boeing faces in maintaining its reputation and fulfilling contractual obligations. So, they can't count on their MAX 10 for future operations. Does that mean they're just pulling it from the market? Or they're just not making, they're not making more, they're not making new ones? They're not making them quick enough, apparently. But they're not counting, I, them, which is. I don't understand how the 737 is still a thing. After all of the issues with the Max 8, and everything comes out that the plane is not designed for what it's doing uh, because all they were doing to rush production is to take an already approved model and make minor changes to it and push it back out, which has gone on for several iterations. I don't know why airlines would still buy it, and I don't know why they're trying to keep pushing it instead of develop a new model. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe it's because the safety record still stands. I mean, it's still a pretty safe plane, despite the oopses that they keep having. But Despite the uh, occasional life-altering crash. Yeah, you know. Well, that. I mean, you haven't heard about the crashes since the 8 a few years ago. Right, right. Greg Lippman. Oh, I'm sorry. My fault. Greg Lippman, known for his role in the big short, is now focusing on commercial mortgage bonds through his hedge fund, LibraMax Capital. Observing opportunity in the distressed commercial real estate debt, LibraMax is selectively investing in undervalued securities. Despite challenges in the sector, including high interest rates and a significant amount of debt maturing through 2025, Lippman's strategy is to target mispriced bonds for potentially high recoveries similar to his approach with subprime bonds and student loans. That went over my head. <laughs> um, I need to buy into this guy's hedge fund because he is just always on top. This is the guy who predicted uh, the the housing collapse back in okay. 2008. Okay. So he was the one who predicted it, and he got mocked almost out of the business entirely. And... Uh, he was using his hedge fund to keep buying up, you know, everything or to go against uh-huh. the, uh, the companies. I, I'm not sure. I don't remember off the top of my head what positions he took, but he predicted uh-huh. the housing collapse. 
and invested based on that. And all mm. of his clients were pissed and they were talking about how they were all going to leave. And then the market crashed and everyone became multi-bajillionaires and, <laughs> and he made everyone fuck tons of money by predicting it. And, and everyone else had to eat crow. Mm, and go. then, and then we went into a global recession. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, this is saying that he's now focusing on commercial real estate because that is absolutely going to fail within the next couple of years and, and also student loans. Hmm. Okay. NVIDIA, Microsoft, Google, and other tech giants have partnered with the U.S. government for AI research program. This collaboration aims to advance the field of artificial intelligence and ensure the U- that the U.S. maintains its leadership in this technology area. The program focuses on sharing resources and expertise between the private sector and government agencies to foster innovation and development in AI. This is kind of a follow-up to last week when we were talking about how uh, OpenAI and, and um, the, how they were partnering with the U.S. government. So now it looks like everyone is going to collaborate with the government with AI technology. I wonder what was the turning point? Cause NVIDIA was, uh, they stayed away from that for so long and then they decided to do it. I'm just curious. What I don't know do. how that would work. I don't know if that would be because of government contracts, because Maybe. I don't, I don't think NVIDIA is actively pursuing any AI endeavors. I think they just supply the hardware for it. Okay. Microsoft corporation briefly surpassed a $3 trillion market valuation, a historic milestone driven by optimism in the artificial intelligence potential. The stock's rise to $405 briefly pushed its market capitalization over $3 trillion during trading hours, but closed slightly lower at $2.99 trillion. Darn. The achievement highlights Microsoft's significant market presence bolstered by its AI initiatives in partnership with OpenAI Incorporated. The company's stock has seen substantial growth, outperforming broader market indices, and is poised for continued advancement with AI and cloud computing, driving revenue growth. $3 trillion. That is crazy. They are now the, uh, you know, the, the, like they, I I think they, I think they're back above it again now. I think this is an older story. Um, Crazy, just absolutely crazy. PNC Financial Services Group CEO Bill Demchek is pushing for the company to expand beyond its regional bank status in response to last year's crisis affecting regional banks in the U.S. This expansion is seen as crucial for gaining trust from corporate depositors and competing with larger national banks. Demchek's strategy involves potentially acquiring other banks to grow PNC which already made significant acquisitions in the past, such as National City during the 2008 financial crisis and BBVA's U.S. operations in 2021. So reading into this article, uh, Bill Damchek pretty much says that the bank needs to grow because by doing so, they're offered better security. Like basically... Basically, they need to grow so that they can become too big to fail, so that the government will be forced to bail them out if any if shit hits the fan. And um, mm-hmm. he's t- taken this position before, 
and pretty much his stance and everything is yeah we we need to grow like there's no there's no talk about how to do it other than buying other companies but just yeah we need to get bigger we'll be better if we're bigger feeding the monster right <laughs> right the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge, the Personal Consumption Expenditures, PCE Index, fell below 3% in December for the first time since March 2021. Core PCE, which excludes food and energy, rose by 2.9%, suggesting a trend towards the Fed's 2% inflation target. This decrease in inflation rate raises expectations that the Fed may start cutting interest rates as markets have already priced in a roughly 50-50 chance of the rate cut in March. Everything old is new again. Everything I mean, goes that, up, everything goes down. <laughs> that's not going to happen, right? What? The rate cuts? Inter interest rate cuts. Too soon. I Everyone thought. keeps talking about it like it's, you know, biblical. Like, right. Levi Strauss and Company has announced plans to lay off 10 to 15% of its global corporate staff as part of a cost-cutting initiative aiming to save $100 million in 2024. This move co coincides with the transition of leadership from CEO Chip Berg to Michelle Gass on January 29th. Despite efforts to boost direct-to-consumer sales and new product launches, the company's profit forecast fell short of Wall Street's expectations, leading to a decline in stock price after hours. The company's full-year earnings projections is also lower than anticipated with expected growth in sales between one to three percent. Hmm. Continuing on okay. that topic, uh, Levi Strauss is also introducing new products like tech uh, tech jeans and um, their uh, or tech pants, and uh, considering other products going away from their their denim operations. So I don't know if uh, I don't I don't know. Do you think this company can turn around or there? Who wears Levi's under forty? Is my question. Um, I love Levi's. They're they're my preferred jean, if you will. But I don't see anybody wearing them. I, I think it's I think they're past their their usefulness. I think it would be a shame if they went away. Yeah. Um, I have, just because of history, I do have a pair of Levi's pants. <laughs> I bought them at Costco, so it was significantly lower than, lower price than what they would want me to pay for it. And also, um, my problem with Levi's is I have no fucking clue what all the models of pants mean. <laughs> No, I don't. So I, I can never get them to fit the way other jeans fit. I never know which one to buy and, and they never fit the way I like them to fit. So mm. I personally don't have any reverence for Levi's at all. Like mm -hmm. I will buy anything more affordable. I usually stick with them. I have, I bought three parents last year that were all clearance. Uh, $20 a pair and one of them ripped within like three days. So I'm like, all right, I guess this wasn't a good value. But um, other than that, I might wear like um, an old Navy and wear some of those maybe or um, architecture, I think it is, or Aeropostale, one of those. But, um, you know, I like Levi for its history, like you said. 
I think of Leroy, I think Cowboys, you know, <laughs> right. whatever. I'll, uh, I'll jump right. back and cover Vince? another story. You want to Wall Street is anticipating a significant media consolidation. We've talked about that. But executives from major media companies appear hesitant. Comcast CEO Brian Roberts has emphasized a focus on the company's current plan rather than exploring mergers. Analysts speculate on potential mergers among companies like Paramount, Warner Brothers, Discovery, and Comcast, NBC Universal. Despite efforts to meet investor expectations through cost-cutting and service enhancements, the profitability of streaming service remains a challenge, fueling speculation about the need for consolidation in the media industry. So I, I mean, we, we just got out of what, uh, Max and, uh, was it, what's that called? HBO discovery yeah. and, uh, and Paramount speculating or, or talking, about a possible merger, which probably won't go through. I mean, this is definitely going to happen. These these companies are going to devour each other, just yeah. like every other. It's like a feeding frenzy. Yeah. So I don't know why people are hesitant. I guess they're all trying to fight for top spot, but they don't want to lose their favorite shows, and that's what it is. <laughs> right. Once it moves to this platform, I'll never see it again. Right. Unless I unless I buy it. You would think if anything, Comcast would try and and unravel the media part. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I, I would think that there's more value in owning the pipeline mm-hmm. over the over what's coming across it. Yeah, exactly. Like Shopify does. But that's a whole other story. Right. Um, Vince McMahon, the founder of Modern Professional Wrestling, resigned from his role as executive chairman of TKO Group following allegations of sexual misconduct. A lawsuit by a former employee, Janelle Grant, accused McMahon of sexual abuse and trafficking her to others in the world wrestling entertainment. McMahon's departure from TKA Group, a merged entity of WWE and Endeavor Group, marks the end of his nearly 30-year tenure and comes amid a series of investigations and legal challenges related to his conduct. Good riddance. That guy has always been a jerk. Everything mm-hmm. I've ever read about the guy said that he's a jerk. Yeah. Um, what was it, like a year and a half ago The the story... Not in any detail, like this article goes into about the sex trafficking, right? But um, the the sexual harassment allegations mm-hmm. that began everything that got popular about a year and a half ago, and and somehow he managed to sell the company and merge with with uh, what what is it? Um, um, Endeavor? No, not Endeavor. What's it? The mixed martial arts company. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, UF UFA or UFC, UFC, UFC to become TKO group, and and this guy gets a seat on the board after you know not too long ago being forced to sell the company. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he was able to keep around long enough to have all the rest of the scandal come out. I don't know either. Crazy. In 2023, U.S. airlines saw significant improvements in operations compared to previous years with reduced flight cancellations and better on-time arrivals. However, challenges with baggage handling, tarmac delays, and high passenger complaints persisted. Delta Airlines ranked as the best airline for the sixth time in seven years, 
followed by Alaska Airlines and Allegiant Air. On the other end, JetBlue Airways lagged in multiple categories, ending last in the rankings. The assessment considered various operational metrics, reflecting a mixed yet improving picture for the airline industry. I'm surprised JetBlue finished last. I expected Frontier to finish last. uh, (laughs) I'm surprised Allegiant was as high as it was. Uh, I've never flown with them. I don't know much about them. Uh, all I know is is Frontier seats don't move, and their their trays are this big. And we flew <laughs> Frontier to it from Philly to L.A. And that, actually, probably not L.A. I think we ended up switching in uh, Colorado. Boy, that was a miserable flight. <laughs> I, I hear that about Frontier all the time. Allegiant pretty much operates on the same model, from what I hear, where you pay for everything. Cheap and peppy? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm not surprised about Delta and Alaska. Every time I've, the, the few times I have flown those, I've, I've been impressed by their service. Delta, I, I'm still have a, I still have a grudge against Delta when we missed our connecting flight going to Hawaii. But, uh, you know, that I've was on them. Against them all. <laughs> that was on them because they were late getting me to the airport. And then they wouldn't do anything about it. Of course. Bastards. In 2023, Wall Street's concerns about the impact of weight loss drugs on various industries have eased. Initially, there were fears that the popularity of GLP-1 drugs like Novo Nordisk's Wegovy and Eli Lilly's Zepbound could negatively affect sectors like medical devices and food and beverage. However, these fears have subsided as interest in health monitoring has actually increased. For instance, Abbott reported strong sales in medical devices partly due to heightened interest in glucose monitoring devices, a trend attributed to the use of GLP-1 drugs. This shift in perception indicates a more balanced view of the potential market impacts of these weight loss treatments. How screwed up is that? No, we don't We don't want people investing in their health and getting better and losing weight and become, <laughs> becoming less obese and non-diabetic, unless we can sell all our other crap. <laughs> Unless we can sell them a drug that's going to keep them that way. Right. Exactly. So screwed up. The merger of Chesapeake Energy and Southwestern Energy presents a compelling investment opportunity in the natural gas sector. This all-stock deal creates the largest U.S. natural gas-focused company by market value, combining resources for greater efficiency and scale and potentially leading to higher natural gas prices in the future. The merger is strategically timed to capitalize on the growing global reliance on natural gas and positions the combined entity to compete effectively with major energy companies. Wow, another big merger. Another another energy merger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Global reliance on natural gas. Um, we're actually, the United States is a large producer of natural gas, aren't we? I think we're the largest. I think we are, especially, um, our area of the country. Um, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I, I know that we export a ton of it. Like we, uh-huh. we ship a ton of liquid propane. Mm-hmm. Nice. Netflix stock surged by 18% in a week, marking its best performance since October of 2022 after a positive earnings report showed a significant increase in subscribers. Amazing. This rise in stock values reflects a strong start to 2024, contrasting with a volatile 2023. 
the company's recent strategies, including pricing adjustments, a crackdown on password sharing, and introducing an ad-supported tier have been successful, leading to an increase in subscribers' numbers. Netflix acquisition of exclusive rights to WWE's Raw and other programming signals a significant move into live events. Despite the success, Netflix trades at a premium compared to its peers and the broader market, which might cause investors caution in the future. I mean, it is an expensive stock. <laughs> it's but... an expensive product. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, mean, I don't, um, don't want to know how much I'm paying for Netflix. <laughs> I um, This is the company that I just cannot ball gaze into at all. Like, I can never you said predict anything with Netflix. I thought when Disney Plus was announced that right. they were going to die on the vine mm -hmm. because of competition and and the billions of dollars that go into debt producing content every year mm -hmm. um i thought when they put the password crackdowns into place that it was gonna really Piss get people to stop paying yeah. for it i thought the ad tiers were gonna kill them and so did they for a while uh and now raw like what a blow against comcast mm -hmm. to have raw that has been with them for i don't even know how many years right even when it wasn't even popular it was on like usa or something like that mm -hmm. to now have that move over to netflix man this company is just killing it beyond everyone's expectations mm -hmm. exactly the media and entertainment industry is set for more layoffs in 2024 driven by rising costs and debt heavy balance sheets Companies like Paramount Global, YouTube, Universal Music Group, Pixar, Business Insider, Los Angeles Times, and Sports Illustrated are implementing cuts to improve profitability. Despite efforts to increase revenues through strategies like introducing ad-supported tiers and raising subscription prices, investors' expectations remain unmet, leading to job reductions across the sector. I'm just amazed that they don't turn, not that they don't turn a profit, that they're, well, everybody's always going to say that they need to make more money and they're going to have to cut people. But the entertainment industry, I always just thought was, you know, maybe I'm naive, but swimming in money as far as uh, the companies, at least. Not the grunts who actually make the product, but like us. I guess but. if you can do well, but uh, apparently now with, in the world of consolidation and the importance of profit and all that other crap, I... Oh. Is there an streaming, streaming is, there's oversaturation and, and the problem now is the delivery method because it costs so much more to provide streaming services than if you're just throwing it to cable because mm -hmm. you think yeah. about the server load that you have to pay for. Uh, okay. Well, it makes sense. The Biden administration's recent antitrust victories, including blocking JetBlue's acquisition of Spirit Airlines and Illumina's reacquisition of Grail signal a tougher stance on mergers and acquisitions. This shift has prompted companies to reconsider potential deals due to heightened regulatory scrutiny and extended review timelines. The focus on antitrust enforcement, evident in cases like Alaska and Hawaiian Airlines, Kroger and Albertsons, and tech investments in AI startups, suggest a more cautious approach to M&A activity in the future. This is really weird to me because when I think about consolidation and mergers and acquisitions and all of this related stuff, um, I think that there's no regula regulation at all. Like I, 
I still can't believe that Activision Microsoft went through. Um, But then Mm -hmm. something like Amazon and iRobot, that deal is now over. Um, And, and I mean, like it might be the end of iRobot because that deal is going to be over They're They're slashing jobs and, and uh, pretty much uh, scrapping their entire uh, research and development arm. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that some deals get blocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems kind of random. And comparing the economic performances of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, Yahoo Finance used several key metrics with Biden currently leading in four job growth, manufacturing jobs, GDP growth, and exports. Trump leads in stock market performance, real income growth, and inflation control. Biden's challenge remains the high inflation experienced during his term, while Trump's tenure was notably impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. This comparison provides voters with a clear basis to evaluate each candidate's economic track record as they prepare for the 2024 presidential election. Uh, Interesting read if you want to look up on the Yahoo News, I don't think it's worth anything. It really provides no explanation. And people aren't going to vote based on that anymore. <laughs> no, people are going to vote on what's in their wallet right now, and they're going right. to go, oh, inflation sucks. And mm-hmm. I had to pay I, I had to pay twice as much for groceries. Screw this guy. Yeah. Pretty they, much I never pay attention to gas prices across the decade because it's barely changed at all. But gas went up 15 cents from the last time I looked. So mm-hmm. screw this guy. Yup. And here we go again. Amazon is launching, as we mentioned several times, an ad-supported tier for its prime video streaming service, marking a significant, significant shift in the streaming media landscape. Starting in the U.S., this new tier will become the default for prime video subscribers with an option to upgrade to an ad-free version for an additional fee. Analysts predict this move will make Amazon a major player in the ad-supported video-on-demand market, potentially disrupting the industry and accelerating the shift from traditional linear TV to streaming services. This rollout is seen as a game-changer, especially with Amazon's extensive reach for consumer data capabilities. Paying for commercials now is is a (laughs) game-changer. That was the whole before. Right, right. Just before this show... I had 45 minutes to eat some pizza and watch something on TV before I, I came on to record mm-hmm. and I went, well, I don't have time to watch, uh, any, any thing I want to catch up on. So I'm going to put on some kids in the hall, <laughs> we'll open up Amazon prime right away. Uh, you the service tier that you were on is ending and, and you will now be given the option of uh, paying two ninety nine a month for ads or or for video without ads or um, or keep the uh, the ad supported version. I select the ad supported version. Are you sure that you do not want to pay two ninety nine? <laughs> I had to I had to go through like two or three screens. Yes, just yeah. to accept the ads <laughs> that I don't want, and I'm kind of irritated about to begin with. Because I already pay a hundred some dollars a year to Amazon. Are you sure you want to do this? Are right. you sure? <laughs> you, are you are it's you sure $2. you don't want to give us more money? It's only two dollars. And you can 
get it's, so much more. It's only the price of a cup of coffee. Peter Cola. Peter <laughs> Cola. It's only $2 more. <laughs> Jim Esposito, co-head of Goldman Sachs Global Banking and Markets Division, is set to leave the firm after nearly three decades his departure removes a potential contender for the roles of president or CEO at Goldman Sachs. Esposito played a significant role in merging the investment banking and trading teams and was considered a key player in the firm's strategy decisions. His decisions to leave his decision to leave suggests he sees limited chances of advancing to the top roles in the near future as CEO David Solomon has indicated he has no immediate plans to step down. DJ D soul. <laughs> um, Jim Esposito was a hell of a goaltender too. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm surprised that Solomon hasn't been booted yet for all the missteps he's taken. Yeah. Like he is single-handedly the person to believe to to blame for all of their consumer products that they are now trying to back out of, cons- uh, including the Apple Card and Jam Card mm. and all the other consumer products. So I, I can't believe that not only is Solomon able to hang around, but he's able to say, "I have no plans to leave in the near future," and not that not be contended in any way at all. While he flies around in the, the private jet, uh, DJing to all these stupid clubs, <laughs> while he's fucking off and, and screwing up during his day job, like I, I can't believe that he still has a job to go to. Sounds like Roman from Succession, you know, just partying <laughs> and living that life and flying that private jet. Yeah. All right, let's check in on wow. last week's. That was uh, a lot of news. That was a lot of news. Let's check in on last week's <laughs> stock game. Uh, Carbo, you did not take Colgate, and I did, and uh, I guess I I I did see a profit on that. Uh, I lost my page. There we go. FedEx Corp, you took that. I did not. How did FedEx do? I don't know. <laughs> I left my phone in the other room. <laughs> yeah, I don't have mine right now either. Um, they all went up. Let's just say they all went up. Everything I, everything I picked went up. <laughs> well, um, Sony Corp, we both picked Sony, and I believe we both lost. We yeah, did. I did see that one. Uh, Kroger, neither one of us picked that. Both of us picked AMD and both of us have lost money. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> for, uh, for this round of the stock game. And let me see. I do have yours now. What was the other one that we needed? I don't even see it on yours. MGM did okay. Um, <clears throat> for this round, you're... You're doing, you're performing worse than the S&P 500. Yes. Gotta have goals. You're an outlier. Mm-hmm. But you're still in the profit, so good for you. Right. That's all that matters. And that I'm is gonna, all that I'm going to rally. I'm going to rally. And that brings us to Roll Them Dice, the segment where we pick five random publicly traded companies 
and on a whim decide whether or not we are going to invest in our virtual stock market exchange. Chris, Intuitive Surgical no. Inc. You were saying no. no. I You can look that up no while I make my decision, and I will say for this, no as well. <laughs> what are they? What do they do? Did we make got, a mistake? I got two computers here. <laughs> like when I'm, it's like I'm doing Dubner again. Like I'm doing graphics back in the day. I got all these computers. All right. Intuitive Surgical is an American corporation that develops, manufactures, and markets robotic products designed to improve clinical outcomes of patients through minimally invasive surgery, most notably with the Da Vinci Surgical System, because everything considered to be intelligent needs to be named Da Vinci. This company is part of the NASDAQ 100 and S&P 500, and they are currently down. Shares are trading for $377 apiece. Glad I said no. Really? $3.77 or $300? $377. All right. The Walt Disney Company. You know what? As much as I hate Disney, um, they are like a cash machine, so I'm going to say yes. You hate Disney? Yeah. All right. Explains why you're a miserable bastard. All the time I was a kid, I had Mickey Mouse (laughs) shoved down my throat. Fair enough. I am saying no. Um, there is too, they're too volatile. No one knows what's going on. Okay. BP, British Petroleum. I'm going to say no. After last week's energy. stories, I am also saying no. Shopify. <laughs> See, here, here's the problem. I already own Shopify and I own a boatload of it. Um, so I'm going to say no. I still think it's a good stock. It just won't work out for me because I have a lot. <laughs> I believe the best time to buy Shopify is five years ago. No. Mm-hmm. Union I'm Pacific Corporation. Oh, well, okay. Union Pacific. Yeah. Well, listen, I just crossed Baltic Avenue and uh, let's <laughs> see. Uh, I'm going to say no. Is that, are they still a thing? I get surprise me. Um yeah. Uh yeah, they're still they're still a company from 1862. Wow. So you say no? I say no. I'm gonna roll them dice and I'll give you a chance to catch up. I am saying yes. <laughs> okay. Um uh, that brings us to our plug. Oh, Just two ninety-nine. The part where we beg. Oh, okay. Hey, stock gamblers, ready to up the ante on your investing journey? Join us on Patreon. As a patron, you'll get exclusive access to bonus episodes where we dive deeper into the risky, high-reward world of stock market gambling. But that's not all. You'll also be part of our close-knit community where we share extended shows and behind-the-scenes content. Plus, your support on Patreon helps us keep the podcast running and the investment ideas flowing. Don't miss out. Become a Stock Gamblers patron today. Let's ride that market roller coaster together. Patreon.com backslash Stock
And now we'll check in on the experts and analyze their picks. Now the uh, MFers at the Motley Fool did not make a pick this year, this week. Uh, they usually do their picks typically on Thursdays. However, there was an interesting um, sort of a side implied pick they had. Over a 50-year period, dividend stocks have outperformed non-dividend paying stocks by more than doubling their annual returns, with dividend stocks averaging about 9.18 annualized return compared to 3.95 for non-payers. Notably, a select few publicly traded companies have been consistently paying dividends since the 1800s, such as Johnson & Johnson and Coca-Cola, which have each increased their payouts for 61 consecutive years. ExxonMobil and Stanley Black & Decker have also lengthy histories of dividend payments. However, the most remarkable dividend stock is the relatively unknown small-cap water utility, York Water, which has been issuing consecutive dividends for over 200 years, surpassing all others in terms of consistency and total returns despite its modest 2.4% yield. So they're going with York Water for a very, very profitable dividend stock. Do you know how many York Water lines I have put into the ground? Really? Yeah. Like, is this York as in York, PA? This is as in York, PA, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, that that might be a good pick. I'm I'm surprised. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. You know. I I I can get behind that one. Uh, good on the Motley Fool. Um, I normally talk a lot of trash on them. That that's a good pick. And for Barons, they chose Chesapeake stock. Um. So Chesapeake Energy. Um. I we already talked about the merger with South Southwestern Energy, and they chose that as a uh, a good time to get in while things are good. So uh, Chesapeake Energy is Baron's pick, and I will not beat everyone to death with it. <laughs> All right. Carbo, why don't you give us your picks? Well, I'm going to go with my first pick. I'm going to go with Lululemon. This popular athletic clothing retailer caters to those suburban soccer moms. And while their clothing isn't necessarily cheap, their lines have a stellar reputation for quality and durability. 37 analysts agree that this is still a buy, while smaller percentage of analysts are advising on at least holding the positions. So my first pick is going to be Lululemon. Second pick, and I think I may have picked this last year, last season. I'm going to go with the Markel Group Incorporated. This company underwrites specialty insurance products. It's having a good year so far. It's up about 5% to date. Uh, it's not a cheap stock again, but if you can do fractional purchases, that always kind of levels the playing field. So my two picks are going to be Lululemon and Markel Group Incorporated. All Back right. to you, George. Good for you. I uh, Man, I we, we just... Um, did Lululemon right before the break at the end of season one. And I cannot believe how much money I 
I, I won off of Lululemon in such a short amount of time, mm-hmm. especially when all the experts were talking about how overpriced and at the peak they were. So I wish you and the best of luck. Them. If they can, uh, if they can pull that off, that would be amazing. Um, I am going to pick McDonald's right now. I don't know why, but I think that that is a company that is turning around. And I, I think that they are going to continue the force that they're in for fast food. It makes no sense why they're performing well right now. Um, you would think that with all of the burger wars and with everyone trying to reformat their menus and, and fight for the same piece, I, I think that... Um, that would really turn everything away, but they, they seem to be holding strong and developing around that. So I'm going to pick McDonald's for this week. Well, didn't you cover a story last week about them changing their menu around or adding new products or trying to bite into different markets? A couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. They were yeah, yeah. changing I mean, all their ingredients and everything. Yeah. And I, I throw McDonald's in from time to time and it's a, it's a, it's a kind of expensive stock, but mm-hmm. um, I'll give it a shot. Go for it. All right. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Stock Gamblers. For those of you that are patrons, please hang around for the extended show where Chris Carbonara and I will be talking about foraging, amongst other things. Stock Gamblers is written, hosted, and produced by Chris Carbonara and George Howell. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters like Don Riome. You make this show possible. To write us, you can email us at stockgamblersshow at gmail.com. Also, you can find out more information about our show at StockGamblers.net, including where you can subscribe to our podcast and where you can provide a one-time donation. I'm talking to you, Tony Lizzie. If you find value in our show, please consider joining our Patreon. For just $5 a month, just $5 a month, a cup of stinking coffee for each of us, you can help support us and gain access to our bonus content, as well as test your stock skills by playing against us and our virtual stock market exchange. Thanks Thanks for for listening listening. and keep Keep gambling. gambling. (laughs) This has been a Winning Moon production.